You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. If you will not believe, surely you shall not be established. Here's the challenge to Ahaz. God has promised it. Now you got to believe it. If you will not believe, it won't affect the outcome of the attack against Jerusalem. Why? Because God has already decreed the attack would fail. When God says it, it will happen. When God declares it, it comes to pass. But it would affect the course of Ahaz's life and his reign as king. It says you will not be established. See. This is what established us, belief, faith. In today's message, Pastor Dave will remind us that God's will is going to be done regardless of whether we're on board with it or not. Wouldn't you rather experience the blessings that come with trusting in Him and following His lead rather than jumping in late in the game when you find yourself failing? Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Kings chapter 16 as he begins his message, A Wicked King Receives the Greatest Prophecy. Thank you, Lord, for the abilities you've given us to worship you. The the want to just praise your name, the want to sing out loud and and to cry out the name of Jesus and to just tell you, Lord, how much we love you and how much you you mean to us. And and Lord, we, we just love it when we worship you, Lord. I know that your word tells us that you inhabit the praises of your people. And Lord, I I know that as we worship you and as we declare our love for you, you're smiling down upon us because can imagine a father looking at his children as his children come to tell him how much they, they, they love him. And I imagine that feeling, I know that feeling very well, being a father. So thank you, Lord, for all those things that you continue to do. Now, Lord, I ask that you would help us, Lord, to, as we go through your word, as we look to your word. Father God, I ask, Lord, that you would just be with us, that you would guide us by your spirit to look at your word and that we might glean from it the words that you want us to know today as we move forward in this crazy time, Lord. But we know, Lord, that you're still on the throne. We know you're still in charge. You're still ruling and reigning. And we know, Lord, that you have a perfect plan. And Lord, we want to see that plan come to fruition. And we want our, 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 our lives to just continue to be honoring to you, Lord. So I ask a blessing upon all, Lord, who call Calvary Chapel their home, our brothers and sisters, Lord, I ask a blessing upon all those that we know, and I thank you, Lord, that, that we can see the light at the end of the tunnel, Father God. Thank you, Lord, the light is the name of Jesus Christ. So I thank you, Lord, and I ask, Lord, that you would be a blessing to us now in Jesus' name. So we're going to be in Isaiah 7. Last week, as we studied chapter 16 in 2 Kings, We read about King Ahaz, and King Ahaz was the son of Jotham. He was the grandson of Uzziah, and these two kings were considered good according to the scriptures. They did what was right in the sight of the Lord. However, each of them did not take down the high places used for sacrifice and the burning of incense, and Uzziah stumbled at the end of his reign and was stricken with leprosy. But that being said, they were still considered good kings. 
And if you look at your handy helpful scorecard, you can see that they are listed as good kings under the kings of Judah right there, Uzziah, which is Azariah, and Jotham. But when we come to Ahaz, you'll find that he did not follow in the footsteps of either his father or his grandfather. Instead, he did what was not right in the sight of the Lord. Ahaz is considered a most wicked king. In fact, during the time of his reign, he was considered the most wicked king of Judah ever. Not only did he not do what was right in the sight of the Lord, but he sacrificed his son to the idol Molech. He made an abomination of sacrifice And this was against all the Lord's commands and all the Lord's laws to sacrifice your own child like this. It's a truly abomination. So this is Ahaz. But sadly, he won't be the worst king of Judah because that will be yet to come. In fact, it'll be his grandson, Manasseh, who will take that title away from his grandfather and he will become the most wicked king. We're going to be looking in Isaiah 7, which is where this prophecy is found. I was waiting until we got to Hezekiah, Ahaz's son, before we looked at this. But as I thought about it and as I prayed about it, in fact, someone even mentioned it to me. And it's got me to thinking, maybe I should mention it tonight. But as I studied it, I realized that the Lord really wanted me to speak about this very thing. So as we studied last week in 2 Kings 16, Ahaz was the king of Judah, the southern kingdom. Remember, Israel, uh, the nation Israel has been split into two. The northern kingdom, which is called Israel, consisted of ten tribes. The southern kingdom consisted of two. It was called Judah because it was Judah, and inside of Judah was the tribe of Benjamin. So we studied this, and we said that while King Ahaz was the king of the southern kingdom, it was perilous times. It was perilous times for the entire nation, not only Judah, but for Israel as well. We talked about that, and we're going to talk about more about that next week when we get into 2 Kings 17. But it was perilous times. Why? Because the nation Assyria was growing ever stronger. And they were threatening the smaller nations that are around them. And they were trying to come and basically get them to be part of their kingdom by overthrowing them and then taking them captive. But even during this time, the northern kingdom of Israel and Syria, the other nation, attacked Jerusalem, which is in Judah. But they couldn't prevail against it. Judah withheld them. And then they tried to pressure the nation Judah, or they tried to pressure King Hazaz, to conform a confederacy with them to go against Assyria. But Ahaz refused. And there's a reason he refused. And remember last week we studied this. He had already secretly made a covenant with Assyria. And he was paying them money, tribute, for their friendship, and so that they would not be aggressive towards their nation. And as I was thinking about this, I felt like it was, you know, the grocery store on the block when two big thugs come in and go, hey, you got to pay us or we're going to let other people beat you up. We'll be your protection. And, and they had to pay. Well, that's what's happening here. Assyria is threatening Judah 
And they say, well, if you pay us, if you give us money, we'll leave you alone. So King Ahaz did this. But sadly, he was playing politics instead of trusting in the Lord God, Jehovah. And perhaps, and one of the writers I studied said that the calamity and the devastation that had racked Judah so far because of Ahaz's wickedness made Ahaz stop trusting in job, in, in God. But if you remember correctly, I don't believe Ahaz ever trusted in God. But it's as if he said, well, if God loves me, why am I in this mess? How can I trust him now after everything that has happened to me? You might be feeling that way now. If God loved you, why are you going through this time of woe? Why are we having these times? Well, be assured of one thing, that God does love you. Loved you so much that he would send Jesus Christ to a cross for you. He demonstrated his love because Christ died on the cross while we were yet sinners. Christ died to bring us back to God, to redeem us. So never ever think that God does not love you. Good, bad, and indifferent. Times will move and change, but God's love is always permanent. It never fails. It will never change. So what happens in this crazy time? The Lord intervenes on behalf of Ahaz, and he sends the prophet Isaiah to him. Now, remember we said that there were many, many prophets who were contemporaries of King Ahaz, Isaiah being one. And he sends his son with him. And his son's name is Shir Jashub. Now that's a name. How would you like to go through life with that name? Shir Jashub. But, but it means remnant will return. And that's very, very important. And it will be important in later times. Let's look at verse 1 in Isaiah 7. Now it came to pass in the days of Ahaz, the son of Jothan, the son of Uzziah, king of Judah, that Rezin, king of Syria, and Pekah, king of Ramaliah, the son of Ramaliah, king of Israel, went up to Jerusalem to make war against it, but it could not prevail against it. Let's read verse 2 also. And it was told that the house, to the house of the day it said, Syrian forces are deplored in Ephraim. So his heart and the heart of the people were moved as the trees of the woods are moved with the wind. So what's happening here, because of this aggression, the people are living in constant fear. Their hearts are moved. Their hearts are moving back and forth with the wind. And it's a very, very bad time. In verse 3, it says, Then the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out now to meet Ahaz, you and Sheer Jashub, your son, at the end of the aqueduct from the upper pool on the highway of the fuller's field. It's interesting to me that the Lord gave us this information as to where they were going to meet. It really doesn't have any bearing on where they're meeting, but I kind of think it, it was given to us to let us know that these kind of things really happened. It's like me telling you, well, meet me at this place and we'll have a cup of coffee. It, it really happens. So he's given us a, a, a reality to what's going on here. So they were going to meet. And Isaiah comes and he meets with the king and he has this incredible, incredible message of insurance. I'm going to read verses four through nine. And say to him, take heed, be quiet, do not fear, or be faint-hearted, for these two stubs of smoking firebrands, for the fierce anger of Rezin and Syria and the son of Remaliah, because Syria, Ephraim, and the son of Remaliah have plotted evil against you, let's go up against Judah and trouble it, and let's make a gap 
in its wall for ourselves and set a king over them, the son of Tabel. Thus says the Lord God, it shall not stand, nor shall it come to pass. For the head of Syria is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is Razim. Within 65 years, Ephraim will be broken, so that it will not be a people. The head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is Ramaliah's son. If you will not believe, surely you shall not be established. This message that is given by Isaiah from the Lord to King Hazaz, I believe, is quite important for today. Don't be faint-hearted. Don't fear. Take heed. Be quiet. It shall not stand nor come to pass. This is a beautiful promise from the Lord, folks. What a glorious promise from the Lord. What in essence he's saying is the plans of Israel and Syria will not succeed because they're led by ungodly people. And ungodly people will not prevail against the Lord God. And we can see that in today's society. Ungodly people rule and reign, they think, but they don't rule against God. And it will not succeed against God's plan. God's plan is perfect. So God made this promise, and Isaiah calls Ahaz to trust in the Lord and his promises. I like this promise, especially in light of the situation that we see today in the world. These words from the Lord to the prophet Isaiah ring true to us today. Don't be faint-hearted in this time of coronavirus. Faint-hearted means to be a lack of courage. It means to timid. The Lord has not given us a spirit of fear, but a given of power and love and a sound mind. Do not be fearful. Do not be afraid. He said, take heed of what the Lord is saying. Take heed. Listen to what the Lord is saying. How can we do that? The next word is be quiet. We all love Psalm 46, right? Be still and know that I am God. Be quiet before him. So many things, so many times we're talking, 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 talking. We don't give God a chance to speak. Be quiet before him so he can tell you, do not fear. I have this all under control. I'm still ruling. I'm still reigning. I'm still in charge. Even though it looks like it's not, I'm not. I'm still in charge. Be still. Nothing can stand against you. If you are solid in Jesus Christ, what can come against you? What's the scripture? It just came to mind. I, I can't believe it just came to mind. You probably know it better than I. Excuse me. Here it is. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand the evil day, and having done all, stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, putting on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation, the preparation of the gospel of peace, and above all, taking the shield of faith, which you will be able to quench all the firing dots of the wicked one, and the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer, supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance, supplication for all the saints. And for me, the utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am ambassador. Paul writing to the Ephesians. He's writing to us, stand, stand firm in the Lord. That's where our establishment is. That's where our rock is. Stand firm in him. Don't be moved. Don't be swayed by what you hear in the media. Don't be swayed by what you hear in, in all the things, all the rumors that are going around. 
You have the truth right in front of you. It's the Bible right here. The word of God, God's truth. Stand. Stand strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Stand. Look what the prophet says next. He tells the king, if you will not believe, surely you shall not be established. Here's the challenge to Ahaz. God has promised it. Now you got to believe it. If you will not believe, it won't affect the outcome of the attack against Jerusalem. Why? Because God has already decreed the attack would fail. When God says it, it will happen. When God declares it, it comes to pass. But it would affect the course of Ahaz's life and his reign as king. It says you will not be established. See, this is what established us. Belief, faith. Faith in Jesus Christ is we are established upon the rock, and he is the rock. And that was established us. If we don't believe the promises of God, we too will not be established. We need to be steadfast. We need to be immovable. We need to be established upon the rock of Jesus Christ. As it happened, Ahaz did not believe. He did not put his trust in the Lord. He put his trust in carnal methods and the king of Assyria. But Jerusalem was spared, just as God said it would. And Ahaz no doubt believed he was successful and his plan worked. But if he would just trust it in the Lord, Jerusalem would have been spared also. And Ahaz would have been blessed. We miss out so much on the blessings of God when we don't trust in him. I know it's a crazy times. I know it's crazy, and I know that fear comes into our hearts sometimes. Will I get this virus? Well, I won't get this virus. If I get it, will I survive? What about my children? What about my family? What about whatever? I know fear comes into our hearts, but we don't have that spirit of fear. We can come against that in the name of Jesus, and in him we can have peace. That's what Isaiah was telling Ahaz. He was telling him that you can have inner peace by... Believing in the promises of God. We too can have inner peace by believing in the promises of God. Faith in God's promises is the only way to find peace in the midst of trouble. It's a prime example of what we're going through. The news is nothing but gloom and doom. We've had to isolate and social distance. So where are you placing your trust? Where are you placing your hope? Are you placing it in the government? Or are you placing it in the Lord Jesus Christ? We live in perilous times, just like the people in Judah did with Ahaz. So where are you trusting? In whom are you trusting? Where are you looking for peace in the eye of the storm? Where are you looking for this peace? Turn to Isaiah 26. In Isaiah 26, the prophet writes these beautiful, beautiful thoughts of peace in verse 3 and 4. I'm going to read them. You, speaking of the Lord God, you will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for in Yah, the Lord, is everlasting strength. What a beautiful, beautiful passage. What a promise. Perfect peace. God's promise is that we can have this perfect peace. We be kept in this perfect peace in the midst of the storms of life. You know the Hebrew word. Shalom. And this is a double shalom. It's shalom, shalom. Perfect peace. I love it. It shows that when, when, you, when you read a double meaning, when you read in Hebrew a repetition, a repetition, it communicates intensity. Shalom, shalom. It's intense peace. It's an intensity that comes out. Perfect peace. A lot of us can have this perfect peace. 
But doesn't it seem to be fleeting sometimes? Doesn't it seem to be comes and then it goes, comes and then it goes? Other people I know are just kept as solid right there in that perfect peace. But some people have a perfect peace, they think, but it's in the world. The world will never give you perfect peace. The world will never give you perfect peace. Peace of the world will lead to destruction. But there is a perfect peace that we can have in the Lord. And this is as I was studying it. This is why I knew it was for this time. How do we get this perfect peace? Well, it says, whose mind is stayed on you. Stayed on who? On the Lord. This is the place of perfect peace and the source of it. When we keep our minds stayed, which means settled upon, established upon the Lord himself, then we be kept in perfect peace. It's a matter of the mind. This isn't so much our spirit and our soul or our heart. It's a matter of our mind. We are to love the Lord our God with all our mind, Matthew 22, 37. Paul says to be transformed by the renewing of your mind in Romans 12, 2. We can have the mind of Christ in 1 Corinthians 2.16 and Philippians 2.5. We're not to set our minds on earthly things in Philippians 3.19, but to set our minds on things of above in Colossians 3.2. The Christian life is not an unthinking life or just doing or experiencing, but it's also about thinking and where we set our mind in essential walk before the Lord. You know the verse... In Philippians 4, you can probably quote it to me. Philippians 4, I think it's verse 8 in Philippians 4. Philippians 4, verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there's any praiseworthy, meditate on these things. And if I meditate on these things, what happens? Oh yeah, the things which you've learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you. You want to have peace? With your mind, meditate on the Lord. Meditate on the word of God. Allow that to wash over you and give you that peace that surpasses all understanding. That wonderful peace. This is perfect peace. This is the perfect peace of the Lord. But to be kept in this perfect peace, it's interesting, our minds must be stayed. And the word stayed, believe it or not, in Hebrew is sahak. Sahak. It comes from the word prop, to lean on, to take hold of, to bear up, to establish, to hold. In Strong's Dictionary, it comes in other places and it can translate it like it's sustained in, in Genesis. Or being held up in Psalm 71 or to stand fast in Psalm 111, to be established in Psalm 112, or, or to leaning upon in Isaiah. So what sustains your mind? What keeps your mind going? What do you lay your mind upon? What upholds your mind? What, what does your mind stand fast upon? What's your mind established upon? I got news for you. If you watch too much news, that's what your mind's gonna be stayed on. And that will bring you fear. You are this has been another edition of a sure hope with pastor dave shank thanks for tuning in as you notice in the course of history an entire nation can be led astray by following after other gods but the leader of the nation is the one who sets the example in so many cases in second kings the one who was in charge was himself acting wickedly or was swayed by the people who were doing evil practices 
Unfortunately, you see the downfall and destruction of a nation when it chooses to stray from following after God. What does that mean for today? What are the patterns and practices being set into place in this nation? When you refer to history, it doesn't look promising. But that doesn't mean that you have to give in to societal pressures and practices. Your example of standing up against the norms could affect others around you. You never know who's observing and how they might change their own perspective based on your example. If you have any questions about what you heard today, you can reach us at 609-884-5821. Again, that number is 609-884-5821. We encourage you to keep looking to Scripture for answers about all of life's questions. We're so glad you tuned in to Assure Hope today. If you want to hear this message again or others like it, you'll be able to find them on our website, assurehoperadio.com. Don't forget to join us again next time to learn more valuable lessons in 2 Kings right here on Assure Hope.